Eagles Entertainment. Hi, this is Doug Peterson, and you're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast with Dave Spadaro. Hi, Eagles everywhere, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you. And last week, the Eagles announcing changes to their coaching staff and to football operations. And during the course of these next many weeks, we are going to introduce you to some of these new coaches. And we'll do that in just a bit with a coach who was here last year who now has been named the Eagles defensive line coach and run game coordinator for the Eagles defense. That is Matt Burke. Great interview coming up. He's really, really interesting. But wanted to touch just a little bit here on some of the changes and what it means, the structure. The Eagles going into 2020 without the traditional structure of an offensive coordinator. And having spent some time in the offices here, understanding how it will all work, Eagles very comfortable with the new format. Rich Scangarello is here as a senior offensive assistant. He'll report to head coach Doug Peterson, and he'll take the input of people like Press Taylor, formerly the quarterback's coach who is now passing game coordinator and quarterback's coach. The Eagles believe that at some point here in the near future, Taylor will be an offensive coordinator and perhaps more in his very bright NFL coaching career. New to the team, Andrew Briner, a pass game analyst who has studied the Eagles' RPOs, and he's looked very closely at the way the Eagles have used their 12 personnel, one running back and two tight ends. So he will enhance what the Eagles do there. Eagles also bringing in former NFL wide receiver and longtime coach in the NFL, Aaron Moorhead as the wide receivers coach. And he is a commanding presence, well-spoken, confident, but not arrogant. So those are the highlight, the changes on the offensive side. The Eagles bringing in Matt Burke to run the Eagles defensive line. Marquand Manuel, we will meet him next week in our Eagles Insider Podcast. An eight-year veteran as a player in the NFL, former defensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons, also coached in Seattle. Uh, he will bring a lot of intensity to the Eagles defensive back group. He is uh, very eager to work with that group as well. So that kind of highlights what you've got with the Eagles it's not traditional, but it is something that head coach Doug Peterson, who will speak on this in the near future, is extremely comfortable with. And then the Eagles in the football operations department, bringing back Tom Hunkel, director of sports medicine, worked for the Vikings for the last 14 seasons, used to work here in Philadelphia before leaving to join the Vikings. Ted Rath joins the Eagles as the director of sports performance. Jeremiah Washburn, Director of Player Personnel, Senior Defensive Assistant, and then three former players. We've already talked to Connor Barwin, the new Special Assistant to the General Manager. He'll be here on an everyday basis, working in a consultant manner on the personnel side, former Eagles, Brent Selleck and Darren Sproles. So a lot going on with the Philadelphia Eagles and a great Eagles Insider podcast for you. In a bit, we're going to have some fun with Jason Kelsey, who saw his first head coach in the NFL, Andy Reid, and his brother, Travis Kelsey, win the Super Bowl. Kelsey was there, and he shares the experience here. But first, let's sit down with Matt Burke, 
the new Eagles defensive line coach and run game coordinator. It is time now to welcome in the renaissance man on the oh, Philadelphia man. Eagles coaching staff. The In his 16th year in the NFL, Matt Burke, run game coordinator, defensive line coach. Correct? Sounds good, 16 yeah. 16 years in the NFL. Going on 17, yeah. Is that So it's 17. This will be my 17th season coming ah. up. Yeah, last year was 16. Well, I want to know how you went from a Dartmouth Ivy League, everybody wants to go to school there. You got a, a two degrees, uh-huh. you're a brain, uh-huh. you're a man of the world, and you're coaching in the National Football League. Yeah. Tell me about this journey. Oh, man, how far back you want to go? All the way. Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah, so um, I went to Dartmouth, uh, probably thinking I was going to go to med school, and kind of, I'm not sure at what point in that stretch I realized that wasn't what I wanted to do, and I uh, didn't really have directions, so you know, I played football in college. and Walked on. Walked on, uh, yeah, got and became school. a stud. No, I wouldn't say that at all. I definitely would not say that. If but... you were, if you were scouting, if you had given yourself, oh man, bad. What... If you no, sorry, <laughs> if you were writing down what is Matt Burke as a football player, what would it say? Uh, pr- pr- probably about the same way as a coach. I mean, I, I got by on my sort of smarts and knowledge of the game, and I was not a great athlete. I will be flat out honest. Uh, but uh, kind of always put myself in the right spot and kind of knew where I was supposed to be and able to learn multiple positions. Uh, so kind of had a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades to me to be able to plug in some spots. But that, that's as glowing as a recommendation as I could give. And then you just fell in love with – but, I mean, you continued your education. I, well, I, I – um, so actually when I finished school, when I finished undergraduate, I started coaching at a, a high school in Maine. So I started out coaching right at the – I don't say the bottom level, but coached uh, at an all-boys prep school in Maine for a couple of years and was getting into the coaching side of things and decided I want to kind of continue that path. So I got a GA job at Boston College. So I got my master's. That's part of sort of GAing. So I actually got my second degree. I got a master's in education while I was a graduate assistant at Boston College and finished that. And still, like, it was funny, you know, all, all along the way, and, you know, my, my parents were – not concerned, but you know, like trying to figure out, well, <laughs> what hey, are you doing? yeah, why did I send you to Dartmouth to go coach football? And did they pay for Dartmouth or did you get? Uh, I got actually some uh, academic scholarship money and then we paid for some. Yeah, I took some loans out. And uh, side note, well, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but my first uh, year in the league that I made the playoffs and got my playoff bonus, I paid off my student loans. That Excellent. was like my, uh, yeah. Okay. So there you go. So the, the parents are like, well, it wasn't all for, well, for Nosh. Actually, that's got to, maybe that's, we'll, we'll catch up to that. That's a Jim Schwartz story. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, just kind of all along the way, you know, I kept selling my parents like, okay, hey, I want to teach for a couple of years. So I, it, when I was in high school, I taught and coached and kind of did that and like, oh, I'm giving back a little bit. And then when I went to BC, it was like, oh, well, the excuse was, well, I'm getting my master's and that's free. And so I can kind of, you know. but then when that ended, it was like, hey, like, seems really like you're going down this coaching path. And even though you've been making all these excuses along the way and, um, you know, I kind of like had like sort of a five-year plan in mind, like trying to trying to play that game and it ended up uh, being about a three-year plan and got a shot in the NFL. That's awesome. Yeah. It's such a cool way. Everybody takes a different path. No matter what you do, yeah. when you're in the NFL, everybody takes a different path. Uh, back to your playing days. Uh, who is the all-time greatest player from Dartmouth? Oh, like who's uh, Reggie Williams. Uh, okay. Played in the league for a long time. Uh, Jay Fiedler was yep. a quarterback. Who was here? Uh, yeah. Um, you, you, my, my name's real down the list, so that's what you're trying to get I'm, at. I'm trying or, to get at that. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's been – I played with two guys that uh, played in the NFL, uh, actually, in my class, Zach Walls and Lloyd Lee. Um you know, there's always there's been uh, I played against um, the Ivy League at the time. Kind of, 
now I feel like nowadays it's maybe one or two guys every year in the whole league that that kind of get a shot in the NFL. Like back then, I mean, the other Matt Burke he spells his name wrong was mm-hmm. was at Harvard, and um, man, Seth Payne was at Cornell, and Marcellus Wiley was at Columbia, and so there was like every team had a couple guys, and so my class had a couple guys. Zach played in the league for four or five years, and Lloyd played for a couple, and so to to really jump around, let me ask you: yeah, this. Could the Ivy League model of football? I kind of admire it. I mean, it's yeah. certainly stress academics. Mm-hmm. They they stopped the hitting at practices, right, or tackling at practices a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is that if that's a is that a universal league rule? I, I mean, I know it. obviously at Dartmouth there's been a lot of innovation, um, and Coach Stevens with uh, uh, tackling dummies and the robotic part of things and and trying to stress that. So, um, which you see creeping into the NFL, even obviously, yeah, it's a really good model uh, of for sure. Um, no, and that there's obviously like a lot of uh, forward thinking people. Uh, around those campuses in the league and, and applying some of that innovation to to the sport has probably been a good thing, sure. So what was the big break to get into the NFL? Yeah, so, uh, uh, so, so it was 2004. Um, so I finished at BC. I'm actually coaching at Harvard. So I was a secondary coach at Harvard. And uh, Jim Schwartz was the defense coordinator for the Titans at the time. He... I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how this part came about. Um, I, I'm, I'm a young coach, what they call restricted earnings coach, you know, not making a lot of money. And, um, you know, the, what we know as a quality control coach nowadays, um, this was probably just, again, this is the early 2000s, mid 2000s. It's just starting to become a thing, um, you know, in terms of like the digitizing of film and obviously all of some of the statistical analysis that comes involved and that sort of thing. And Jim, you know, again, a forward thinker and, mm-hmm. and with his, you know, academic background was sort of saw where some of that was going and was looking for a young somebody to come in and kind of do some of those things for him. So, um, I don't know, this, this, I'm going to give one version. I'm not sure. You have, you have to ask Jim the rest of the version. But he called the head coach at Harvard, I think, asking like, hey, do you have any former players, Harvard guys, you know, thinking they might be smart, that might have a, sort of a, an avenue to do this and – and uh, Tim Murphy was the head coach at the time, or still is actually, um, said, hey, I got a Dartmouth kid on my staff, that's pretty good. And uh, that sort of started the ball rolling. Um, so it was just a random random phone call. It was, it was a wild break, so I'll give you the, the short version. You know, So of course, uh, Murph comes to me and says, hey, I, I got a call from the Titans. They're you know interested, possibly talking to you. And I was 20, ooh, 26, five, six at the time, somewhere like that. And uh, so of course I'm like, oh, so Jim actually on the phone with Jim and, you know, he kind of goes through the, what he's looking for and Hey, uh, and it was sometime around mid April. So he's like, he tells me, Hey, the draft is coming up. We're obviously a little busy with the draft kind of hang tight. No, we're going to get through. This is an important thing for us, obviously. And then after that, we're going to kind of address this position. Um, I'll, and I'll get back to you. So, you know, but in my mind, I'm like, oh, I, gotta, I gotta, so I, I email him a copy of my resume, fax him a copy of my resume, you know, like FedEx him a copy of my resume. Fax yeah, 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 that's By two- the way, kids out there, there were things called fax machines. <laughs> 2004. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so then, and then, uh, you know, you're trying to, this is a business that's kind of who you know, and I didn't know anybody in the NFL at the time or any, any connections at all. And, um, but I'm reaching out to some people I know to see if they have any ties to Jim or does anyone know this guy? It's a, I basically got cold called. And uh, so I had a couple of very loose connections of uh, one of my coaches at Dartmouth was actually a former college teammate of Jim's, you know, so I'm like, hey, can you call him for me? And so anyways, about a week later, I get a, you know, I get a call back from Jim, you know, 
as you, I won't do too much of a Schwartz impersonation, but right, right. hey, like, <laughs> give me a yeah, Schwartz impersonation. Hey, yeah, like, you know, like, I thought I told you to wait, you know, till after the draft. We're a little busy here. Like, I got your seven copies of the resume. Like, thanks for that, you know. <laughs> and every time I pick up the phone, someone's talking about you. Like, can you chill out for a few <laughs> minutes until like, I get this done? So, you know, then of course I'm panicking, like, oh, I blew it. You know, he's mad at me. And, but uh, yeah, the week after the draft, they flew me down and interview with him. And Coach Fisher obviously uh, offered me a spot. And, wow. Uh, yeah, so that was kind of like, That's it was, like cool I said, story. a very blind break. I uh, I, I didn't and, have any ties or connections. And your and, responsibility, and we'll talk about your relationship with Jim because you've coached with him in Tennessee, in Detroit, last mm. year with the Philadelphia Eagles also. Um, what is the responsibility? Uh, you mentioned digitizing video. Yeah. Um, what other stuff did you do? And for well, people who don't who think it's a glamorous job yeah, to get into the NFL, <laughs> what were your days like? Yeah, so I actually lived in my office. Um, they they didn't have an office for me when I moved there. It was kind of a creative position. Again, this was sort of just started coming in vogue, and they literally had a, I had a storage closet that they took and just threw a desk in. Um, no windows, right in the middle of the building. They, they it was a literal storage closet. They they cleared out and put my <laughs> desk in to make my office. So. Um, you know, obviously involves like all the breakdowns of like advanced scouting the the opponents and putting all that information in. Again, if you know you hear the word cut ups, I don't know how in depth you want to get. You know that back in the day there was film or beta tapes, and they literally would cut the tape and tape it back together to like make reels of similar plays. And then obviously as technology advanced and all these, I mean now so it's even it's even more. But you know all the footage from around the league, the opponent's tapes we were getting, quote unquote, tapes were being put onto the computer. So now you have the access to the computer, so you would add all this information, and now it's a lot easier to sort out, instead of literally cutting the, the, the film up and saying, okay, that's a third down play, that's a red zone play, you can just sort on the computer. So that was my responsibility, to just break down all the film, get all the scouting reports done, all that advanced work. So you would work a week ahead of time, so that when the coaches were done, you play a game on Sunday and they kind of put that game to bed. Boom, now Monday comes and they're start ready to start on the next week's opponent. All that information is ready for them and available to sort of chop up and see how they want to see What did you do so, on game days? Uh, game days, I was up in the booth. Um, same thing, charting the plays and just kind of writing down as we would go through and keeping that, keeping a real-time sort of data flow for, for Jim. And it, perhaps it's too personal a question. No, no, what did you get paid as a, as a, as a oh, first Entry-level job in the NFL back then. Oh, shoot. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm almost positive it was like I, I was an hourly employee technically. Um, I think I made about $30,000, which for me, that was the highest salary. That was like double my salary that I had ever made, so I was excited for that. So, you must have been on top of the world. You were uh, in the NFL, man. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. It was, it, like I said, it's it was hard. People, you know, a lot of, especially the time I was a young coach and, you know, you're kind of out and people, you know, other young coaches would meet you and try to say, hey, man, how, how do I get in the league? How'd you do it? And, you know, it's like, man, I, I got a break. You know, and I, I, my philosophy with that was always like, you can never manufacture that break. Like I could never have set up a situation where Jim Schwartz called Harvard and, and I was there. But, you know, my philosophy, and it's still to this day, to be honest with you, like I'm going to work hard and, and do a really good job and, and try to be a, the best coach I can in the, in the position I'm in. You know, and then if that break comes, then Tim Murphy's going to say, hey, I got a really good young coach on staff, you know, and then I did the same thing when I went to Tennessee and, and you know, I did that job for five years. I mean, it was a long, grueling five years of doing that work day in, day out. And, um, you know, and then when Jim gets a head job in Detroit, I'm not to jump ahead, but then, yeah, no, then he says, okay, hey, 
I got a kid that's that's worked his ass off for me for the last five years and, and has shown this capability. Now I'm going to advance him to the next level. So. Linebackers in Detroit. Yeah. Five years? Five years. How was that? How was Detroit? Because a, a franchise that has not had a lot of success uh, that was really have no success before yeah. you guys got there, and then there was some success. Absolutely. Uh, amazing experience. Um, it, was, it was, again, it was my first full-time position job, so that was kind of obviously a, a, a sort of a, a milestone for me. But we got there um, after the, their 0-16 year, and in those next three seasons, you know, we went two and 14, six and 10, 10 and six, and made the playoffs for the first time in, in whatever it had been, 20 years. So it was really cool. It was unique. I mean, it was a true breakdown and build back up and to be part of that, you know, and, and with Jim sort of spearheading that to say, here's here's my vision, here's a philosophy, and, and to see that play out over those three years where we went from 0 and 16 to 2 and 14 to 6 and 10 to 10 and 6 and, and have that success and, and build it like that, it was, it was really cool. And, and honestly, another side of this, I think, Philadelphia actually fans can kind of relate, you know, sort of to this in the sense of, because um, I get the same feeling here, Detroit at the time, so I got up there in 2009, um, economy's bottomed out, car companies are going bankrupt, the city's, you know, at probably at one of its lowest points, murder capital of the country and all that stuff. And there was still such a sense of pride. And I mean, our, our fans there were awesome. I mean, it was loud stadium i mean even they had just come off an 0 and 16 year i'm i'm kind of out thinking like oh they're gonna hate us like they, they hate all you know but um it was almost like they sort of like it was it was sort of a counter to the the, the rest of the nation was looking at detroit as this like scourge of the uh, you know of the country and and the people there were just so prideful and loved i'm from detroit and proud of it and flying colors and game days were really cool and 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 so it kind of like as a city was sort of making that recovery we were building the Lions back up to a, to a winning program, and it was kind of cool to like sort of mirror that and um, the same obviously passion that you see here in Philadelphia. There was there was that element there in Detroit, and then it ends, Matt. Yeah. Okay. So, so like psychologically, yeah, you're a single guy back then, I right? Am. <laughs> um, what what do you do? Like how yeah. do you how do you make the next step? Uh, yeah, it's um, it's. They say you're. They say you're not really a coach till the first time you get fired, you know. And that was the first time I had been, you know, let go from a staff. And how do they tell you you get fired? Oh, you know, it's different. So there, um, you know, they let Jim go after the season. Um, they told the rest of the staff, which I think is somewhat typical. But, um, basically, like, hey, well, we're going to keep you around, and whenever we hire a new coach you'll have the opportunity to sort of interview with them or meet with them and see if they want to kind of keep you on or if there's a spot there. But, you know, hey, we're also not going to stop you from looking for other jobs, obviously. If um, So you kind of start that process of just sort of putting feels out. At that point, I had been in the league for 10 years, and, you know, you have some connections. You start calling some friends, hey, what's going on down here? Or, you know, who's getting a job? Or is there a spot open? And um, so um, they hired Coach Caldwell, and so, you know, I had a – a brief interview with him and that, you know, they were just going to go in a different direction. And, um, yeah, uh, again, uh, to my patron saint, I mean, Jim actually, um, since, so I went to Cincinnati after that, the Bengals uh, mm-hmm. had a spot open and Jim had a, had a, a long history with Marvin, uh, coach Lewis. And, um, when they had a spot open, um, you know, I was trying to get kind of get in. And so he kind of got me an interview opportunity down there and I went down and interviewed 
and uh, and was offered a job there. So moved down just down 75 to Cincinnati. And then a couple of years in Cincy, then defensive coordinator with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. How was that experience running a room, yeah. running one side of the football? It was it was good. Obviously not uh, not as successful as as you know from a wins and loss standpoint as you would have hoped, but. Um, you know, it's something that obviously, again, another milestone in my career and, and what I've been aspiring to is on a personal level. And, uh, yeah, it's different. You know, you got your, your, you know, you, you know, as linebacker coach for that, for that long period of time, and you have this, you know, group of six to eight guys and you're, you know, you're responsible for that. And you have a very focused, you know, job, you know, this is, I got to get these guys ready to play within this scheme and, and, and motivate these guys and, and the sort of thing. And it's, um, it's a lot closer knit situation, you know. Then you get in front of the big room, and you got all three levels of defense, and you're responsible for seeing a lot bigger, you know, bigger picture things, and and handling all these issues, and making sure everything's fitting together the right way. So, did it change you, Matt? Uh, become more of a hard ass. Become no, more. Of a- no, no. Yeah, I, th- I always believe like I- I'm I'm who I am. Like you, you get you guys. People get to know me. Like I'm, I'm a big believer in like you got to be yourself. If you're not yourself. Uh, you know, people are going to see through you. So for me to come up all of a sudden and be a different personality than who I am, like I'm, I'm a pretty, uh, you know, high intensity, hard charging kind of guy. That's just who I am in life. So like, I don't have to change myself. I don't, I, I think that you get into yourself in trouble trying to like change your personality. Um, again, I think it's just, for me, it was a challenging, I like the challenge intellectually of, okay, now it's a, it's obviously a lot bigger picture. And playing that mental game of how these pieces fit and, and coming up with strategies to try to stop opponents and, and those sort of things. So uh, it, was a, it was a cool experience for me. Again, un, unfortunately ended not in the way you wanted to. They never sure. do, but, uh, but it was a great yeah, There's only one team happy at the end of the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You were in Philadelphia last year, and whether fans were aware of it or not, special assistant with the defense um, coming in because Jim is here, I guess, mm-hmm. the relationship. Tell me what, what, what is so great about Jim Schwartz. Why do you think... He is oh, such an outstanding defensive mind. Uh, I think uh, he's he's the smartest coach I've ever been around. Just, I mean, from detail and breadth of knowledge, um, he's um, a great leader of men. Um, he has a clear um, – he's clear in a lot of things, a clear vision of how he wants things to look, how he wants things to run. He's a clear communicator. I mean, I – I think he's he was a fantastic head coach. I enjoyed working for him in that capacity. Um, I've obviously learned a ton from him. I just uh, I think he's one of the sharpest football minds I've ever been around. Okay, and I think that's that's the starting point for everything with him. Um, and again, that doesn't mean every like that's not an end all be all. So again, for his ability to have a not only be like smart and know all this stuff, but to have a focus of hey, here's how I'm going to attack this problem or this play, and then be able to communicate that so clearly. Um, and, and get guys motivate, motivated to play and execute that game plan. He's just, he's, uh, I think he's one of the best I've been around. You are now in charge of the defensive line. Yeah. We all know what that is. What's a run game coordinator? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little bit just of my reflection of my experience and some of my past coordinator experience and um, a continuation a little bit of my role last year of doing some other projects and having, again, instead of just being a position coach focused on this is all I'm doing, like I talked about before, that having like a little bit, um, I think, you know, Jim, whether it's taking advantage of or rewarding me, however you want to word that, um, again, of my sort of big picture experience of saying, hey, hey, can you take a little focus on how we're handling this part of things? Um, Instead of just saying, hey, coach D-line and get these guys right, hey, also kind of bring a little bit more breadth of 
knowledge and experience to saying how we're going to handle this stuff in the run game with a focus on that area the, of the defense. We don't. We are not here to speculate on what's going to happen here in the offseason as the Eagles no, address we are the not. roster, right? <laughs> but there are players we know are going to be part of it, and I'd like to get your opinion on these players. Fletcher Cox, oh. Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett. Okay. Who are three mainstays? I would hope that they're all this part of this. Defensive line. I would hope they're all part why, of this. Team why is year? Fletcher Cox such a great defensive uh, tackle? He is a, I mean, he is a rare, rare athlete for a man of his size and length to um, be able to play with the explosion, power, movement. Ability. I mean, obviously, like if you were just grading on or you know looking at it on a bell curve in terms of. The bigger you get, you know, generally the less athletic you become, to some extent. So for a man that size to play with that power and ability to move his feet, um, I mean, he's there's there's not many that that are like him just from a pure physical standpoint. Um, uh, he's a tough kid, plays through a lot, you know, like little nicks and injuries. He wants to be out there for those guys. I mean, he's obviously I'm sure you spent some time with mm -hmm. him as a big personality and yes. a very outgoing and gregarious guy. And um, but I think like. He, he, I mean, he's a special player in this league. Obviously, all the, all the accolades that he's received and and, and achieved in his time, um, it's just it's rare for someone with his physical skill set to to be able to do that. And then again, to have the the work ethic and motivation to to sort of take advantage of that um, is, is it's impressive. He's it's funny you get in this league, and I remember when I again when I was first coming to this league, um, these are all I mean ridiculous athletes, right? They're all the top whatever percentage of, of athletes and, and football players in the, in the world. And so when there's guys in the NFL that still stand out, that, that you can look at and go, man, that's even rarer than all these guys are rare, right? These guys are, again, the elite of the elite. But then to see someone that noticeably is, stands out different, like that's impressive. And he's one of those people, you know, Albert Hainsworth was like that when we were in Tennessee. I mean, just a, a big man that had such an explosion. You're like, when I got to Tennessee, I, you know, it was one of the alien tests. Like you could take an alien and come down here and stick him out and go, Pick who's the best the player or whatever, and you go, oh, that guy's different. You know what I mean? And, and Fletch has that gotcha. ability. It's it's rare. And then on the edge, BG yeah. and I mean BG, we've loved him for yeah, ten yeah. years here, and Derek, who is just this guy who just you feel like he's just you can just keep <laughs> knocking him down. He's going to keep getting back yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully he doesn't get knocked, knocked down, down that right. much. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, that's your job. Yeah, no right. doubt, no doubt. I'm excited to work with both those guys a little bit more than I, than I have been this past year. Uh, you know, listen, BG, it, it's this is a hard league to to play ten years in the league and uh, you know to have the success level that he's had. Like that's just that, the energy. That's that he special. Has he, I mean, and again, you're you're around the the building and the team. I mean, for a guy like that, yeah, you get. I mean, I'm starting to feel a little old and. And I, you know, I have days where I'm coming in, I'm, I'm drinking my energy drinks. Uh, BG comes in with a smile every day and loud and getting going. And, um, you know, on every Wednesday, you know, you generally, as you know, you know, as you're going through the season, the, the Wednesday practice is more the padded practice and the run game practice. Um, you know, we don't go out the practice field till one o'clock or whatever it is after lunch. We have meetings and all those things in the morning. Every Wednesday, BG comes to Doug's team meeting with his football pants on, his pads in. So he starts the day, he puts those on, he sits through all meetings with his football pads, his pants on, not his pads, obviously. But uh, you know what I mean? Like to have that. Setting the, setting the tone. Yeah, like that. He literally, I, I would watch him walk in on Wednesdays and he'd come down the aisle next to me and he's got his football <laughs> pants on, like ready to go out to practice at, you know, 8.30 in the morning when we're not going out till 1. And 
Um, so yeah, that energy is, I mean, for him to be able to sustain that for such a long time, this, I mean, I have a high level of respect for anyone that, that can last this long in this league. I've, you know, we both see firsthand like how difficult it is. So mm -hmm. he's, and to do it with the joy and energy that he still has and, and is still going and um, had one of his more productive years this past year um, from a sack numbers and those sort of things. Um, you know, not afraid to, to do the dirty work, to play the run game, all those things. And um, yeah, Derek has that in him too. Uh, Derek's a little bit more like the uh, silent killer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's a little bit quieter from that point of view, but one of the, probably the tough, I think, if you pulled a, uh, did a toughest guy in the team's polls, I mean, I think. Yeah, Jim spoke about him at the end of the season. Like it was, yeah. it was incredible. It was very impassioned yeah. the way he spoke about Derek Barnett's toughness. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, to see that, and obviously we know like he had some uh, procedures last off season and was known, you know, for him to fight through some of those things and still want to play and the, the level of admiration. And again, I think that's a team-wide thing that they watch this guy go out there and, and just, just launch his body in there and just will fight anybody that steps in his way and that sort of thing. I mean, that's the mindset that we're trying to cater to. Two more questions, yeah, Matt. One ahead. football, one not football. Uh -oh. What do you want to create with this D-line? What's the vision? What's the, what's the plan? The plan is to be the hardest playing D-line in the league. I think that starts that, – that's our starting point, you know, and I think this scheme – I've been in this scheme with Jim for a long time and, and have run this scheme as a coordinator, and I think the starting point for everything is – I mean, it's an attack mentality, and we have to go be the hardest playing D-line in the league. Like, that's what this scheme is built on. It's, it's funneled through the D-line. Um, so, you know, our, our starting point is going to be that, you know, utilizing the energy of BG and those type of guys and the attitude, and it's going to be the toughness of Derek. And um, we have to be the fastest, hardest, most attacking defensive line in the NFL. And that's schematically and technique, all that stuff's going to come from there, but that's going to be our identity. All the glamour guys, you uh, know, they get all the commercials. Yeah, and Yeah, we don't need But we see, it, we see it year after year. While there's all these points scored in the regular season when playoffs come, it's the defense that wins, and it's the defensive line that yeah, sets its own for it everything. Does. You know, and, and again, this scheme is set up that way. And, yeah, you know, it's been funny, like, seeing if you look at the playoffs the last couple of years, um, you know, things start to tighten up a little bit, and, and everyone's playing things a little differently. And... and um, some of the defenses have kind of come to the forefront. I mean, the, the, you know, these guys two years ago had a good, good run. Great run, depth. Uh, yeah, uh, coming yeah, off the mix, versatility, all that, and then, relentlessness. Well, that me that mentality again. That that relentless mentality is where it has to start. And and again, I think that our D line is the engine that's going to drive this defense, and that's kind of a little bit how we design things. So we're going to get those guys doing that. And then finally, oh, I re I referenced you as a renaissance man. Uh -oh. When you walked in here. So I look in your bio, you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Mm -hmm. You went on a safari in Botswana. Mm -hmm. You, uh, Uganda, you did some charity work there. Yeah. Right? I did. So what's the, what is this um, man in nature yeah. uh, thing you got going? Uh, shoot. Just uh, to get away from it? A little bit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's um, it is part, partly for me, th this profession. Uh, we talked about the media stuff and the scrutiny we're under and, and, you, it's a lot of pressure. Uh, no, yeah, there's a lot of pressure in, in this. pressure league. and it's high intensity. It's a high performance, you know, business, which is again fine. So, you know, we don't really get a lot of time off, but the time off we do get is in, in the, that summer, kind of right before training camp starts, when when OTAs finish, you know, in the beginning of June or middle of June, and that's really the coaching world. That's our time off till the end of July when we come back for training camp, and again. Once we come back, it's six months straight of go, 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 and we're trying to win ball games and all that. So it really started. My first time I took a trip was the year after my first year in Tennessee, and it was like, hey, man, I want to get out. And I've always been enjoyed uh, hiking and doing those sort of things. So I, uh, 
I started taking trips and it's kind of become like an off season thing for me that every year I just and and generally try to go somewhere where I'm I'm a little I'm not checking my phone for uh updates or I'm not uh reading about this and that and it's it's uh I try to get as remote as possible where no one can find me and and get in some mountains or some jungles and and go have some fun. <laughs> as we as I learned the other day having lunch with you, however, lifestyle change Young, young, youngin at home. Yeah. Wife at home. Yeah. You're not going to Uganda, bro. You're uh, done. Well, I don't know. So, oh, uh, we, no. well, uh, so we actually, her and I, uh, we got, I got engaged in Uganda, uh, okay. hiking with gorillas on the uh, Rwandan border. Uh, so she's, she's been on some trips with me. We've, uh, like I said, we went to Uganda. Um, we did, we actually went to Africa. She was with me in Botswana and Zambia. Um, we actually went to Iceland this off season, even when she was pregnant. So, um, and she let me la- last summer. She was pregnant, a bit more pregnant than we were when we went to Iceland. Um, so she actually let me go to Jordan. So I actually went to uh, Jordan for about uh, 10, 11 days this past summer and hiked Petra and, and uh, did some stuff through the, uh, through the, um, through the uh, Wadi Rum and some of the deserts down there and those sort of things. So I've probably been about 40 countries and, wow. and uh, Good for you. Been, on, been on some mountains. And so maybe not like... Uh, May not be going to Mongolia like I have in the past or uh, hiking Everest in Nepal, but I'll still get I'll still manage to get my trips. There in. is a place in northeastern Pennsylvania we call it the Grand Canyon. No, oh, yeah, dot, 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 of Pennsylvania. Okay, maybe you'll be maybe that, she'll let that, you go that, there. That's my, office, that, that. I'm going from Everest <laughs> to the Grand Canyon, PA. <laughs> so when I when I uh, had a coach uh, when I was when I was um, playing at Dartmouth, who's my position coach, and when I started talking about getting into this profession, I would you know hey you know coach can you can you maybe call this guy and you know and he would sat me down one time and and right across the table like this and said, you know what the hell are you doing like why are you doing this don't don't like you got a good degree you can go do anything and he would give me this whole riot act about don't don't get into coaching don't do it blah 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 you know and it was about 10 15 minutes and i'm just sitting across i'm a 22 year old college kid okay coach <laughs> and he said what well, you know after he kind of finished he goes are you sure you want to do this you know, like he's like, are you sure you want to make this call and like try to help you get jobs? And and I said, yeah, I don't know. I think kind of want to explore it. And and he goes, okay, like just want to be able to say I told you so. You know, and every time I, I you know, I call him, I'm like, man, like this is crazy. Or we lost this game, and he'd just be like, oh, told you so. Like, and he'd like hang up on me. So I got it's like, the thrill of the competition. Uh, it's, it's it it's man. There's nothing like it. Really, there it's is. I mean, agreed. Game day for everybody. It's there's nothing like the rush. It's it's. I, I feel like, and again, partly with me, my hiking and being outdoors, and I'm a fairly like high adrenaline guy, like bungee jumping and skydiving and, uh, and doing all these things. Like, it's hard to like. I can't picture myself a different profession that that doesn't have sort of the ups and downs and the, and the emotional ride and the the energy that that you can bring in this, awesome. this profession. Well, Matt. We thank you so much for coming by. Yeah, thanks. It was for awesome. Time. Great to get to know you, yeah. and uh, thanks for joining the Eagles Insider Podcast. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much to Matt Burke for that extremely interesting discussion about his journey to Philadelphia. When we return, how about some Jason Kelsey? It's been two years since we heard from him, at least from a speech standpoint, a champion's parade standpoint. Well, he got to take it all in as the Kansas City Chiefs won Super Bowl 54, and he loves to compare the celebration in Kansas City to that two years ago in Philadelphia. 
It's NFL draft season, which means the NFL scouting combine is here. And if you want to be caught up on everything that is going on out in Indianapolis, make sure that you are subscribed to the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. I'm Fran Duffy, Chris McPherson, Ben Fennel, a number of great guests. We're going to have Howie Roseman. We're going to have NFL scouts. We're going to have great analysts from around the country. You do not want to miss any of our coverage from the scouting combine. We're going to have wall-to-wall coverage. Every day that there are drills, there will be a podcast recapping what you need to take away from the drills. We're going to have previews, everything you need from all the action out in Indy. Make sure you tune in to the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. Jason Kelsey, you had the opportunity to see the coach, Andy Reid, who brought you into the NFL, and your brother win a Super Bowl. What was that experience like? Um, It was incredible. Um, I mean, it was... uh... It was pretty nerve-wracking sitting in the stands. Obviously, you can't control much. And you want all you want to do is help or, uh, you know, you know, be there for. Uh, in my case, my brother, um, and you know, Andy had been looking for this for a long time, uh, and you know, deservedly so. Everybody knows he's been one of the best coaches in the NFL in the history of the NFL, and for him to miss, be missing this one, uh, you know. Uh, you know, this one piece of hardware that really signifies, uh, you know, a, a coach's legacy. Um, you know, I was really, really happy for him to finally get that done. And um, I still remember sitting in the stands. And, you know, it's, it's weird in a Super Bowl because, it, you know, the fans for both teams are like all like sprinkled throughout the stadium. And I, I knew right then that I'm not made for sitting in the stands because I was real close to just – I mean, I was I was getting very upset with a lot of the 49ers fans, and they were doing nothing wrong. They were just cheering, but like I think I was taking things a little bit too personally, probably. <laughs> Did you relive Super Bowl 52 at all, or at least get from a different perspective? Uh, definitely before the game started. As a matter of fact, I texted some people before the game started. You know, we need to get back to this. It was a very, um, you know, it kind of a lot of it comes, uh, you know, running back to the emotions of leading up to the game, seeing the the Roman numerals on the field and all that, and. Um, you know, uh, it definitely makes you um, uh, remember the team and, and the group that, that got it done last time and, you know, how close we are to potentially doing it again. And I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of emotions going on uh, before the game. But once the game starts, you know, uh, for me, I was totally in it with my brother and, and, and Big Red and a lot of the guys on the staff and that team that I still have close relationships with. How was the after party Chiefs versus Eagles? Um, that's tough to say. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I'm a little bit biased. I'll probably go Eagles, but I will say the Chiefs had one thing that was set up pretty nice. They had like a little family section. So like if you wanted to get away from like the just monstrosity in the crowd and whatnot, you could kind of sneak away, which I thought was nice. But outside of that, you know, um, you know, the Eagles uh, after party was uh, was was a pretty was one to remember, yeah. And then you were at the parade, Jason. Um, a, what was the Kansas City Chiefs parade like? Yeah. And B, did it give you a different uh, perspective or a different appreciation for what happened in Philadelphia? It did, yeah. I think um, uh, you know, obviously, uh, we had a pretty dang good parade here in Philadelphia. And uh, one thing, just watching it on TV, I, d- I wasn't in Kansas City. But I thought the production value in Philly was much better. I thought. You did a much better Thank job, you. Dave, um, as I told you during the speech. Um, I think that you did a much better job at MCNN. Over, it just felt like everything was coordinated so much better in Philly. Um, it seemed like the fans were more into it. 
Uh, it seemed like there was a larger turnout. Um, but, you know, I don't want to take anything away from them. They still had a great time. My brother was uh, chugging beers, uh, being poured down to him off the bus by Patrick Mahomes, still uh, completing passes. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it looked like those guys had a lot of fun. Yeah, well, it's fun to win a Super Bowl, so let's get win the share. Yeah, I'm in. Let's Thanks. do it. And that will do it for this Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks so much to Peter Kelly for putting this all together. And thanks to you for joining us. We ask that you subscribe, that you rate us, that you provide feedback, and, of course, that you pass the word as we continue to grow our Eagles Insider Podcast performance for you. We want to give you what you want each and every week. Next week, we've got defensive backs coach Marquand Manuel here talking about his very interesting trip from the University of Florida to the NFL as a player, and now to Philadelphia working in the defensive secondary. So please join us next week for that edition. Eagles fans, thanks so much for joining. Have yourselves a great Eagles day, everyone, and fly, Eagles, fly. E-A-T-L-E-S!